Good morning, everybody. It's good to, good to see you today and good to be seen. And um, I, was, I really enjoy uh, whenever we have the, the little video clips from Kevin. Um, I really enjoy just... If, if, if you've ever spent any time with um, Kevin and uh, Shanna, you know that they have an amazing heart, you know, just for God and... Um, his kingdom and his purpose. The last time he was in town, we went out for a cup of uh, a coffee and we're just hanging out at Starbucks. And, uh, you know, Kevin's very humble. He's very humble. And uh, he, he was talking about just the amazing stuff that God was doing. And, I, and I'd ask him the, the question. I'd say, well, you know, so what's your plans? You know, in the next six months, what do you want him to do? He says, I don't have any idea. <laughs> he says, it just, everything's just kind of happening. And uh, he says, I'm just doing my best just to keep up with what God wants to do. And uh, I just really appreciate his heart in any way that we can support uh, the Philippine adventure uh, is what we need to be doing. And God is moving throughout the world. You, you believe that? The Holy Spirit is moving. And the Holy Spirit's even moving here in our lives. Amen. Right? Amen. And so um, let's open up with the word of prayer. Um, our leadership are at the Foursquare Convention, and so um, we're going to pray for them and, and ask that God would bless them and give them a sense of refreshing and renewal uh, and strengthening that they need so that they could come back and, and, and lead and uh, hear from God as they need to do. And uh, we just also want to pray for God's presence here today and that we can have an open heart. Can we do that? And I know it's Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for being here. You know, I was on my way in. I was thinking, this is an amazing day. You know, I was talking to Vicky earlier. It's like, today would be a day to go golfing, right? It, but I'm not a golfer, so maybe tennis. But anyways, we're here, and nothing compares to the, the presence of God, right? Would you agree with that? And so would you pray with me that we would just, that we, you and me can have an open heart to, to God's spirit and God's word. Can we do that, Lord? You are so amazing, um, Lord. I, I liked what Pete said. I appreciate so much our, our, our leaders in worship. But, Lord, when we come before you today, we come before you as the eternal God, um, the all-powerful God, the all-present God. I'm thankful, Lord, that you can be everywhere, and uh, Lord, most importantly, where we are, and that you can give us greater revelation and understanding of your word. And Lord, that through your grace and through your power, you can help us to be conformed more like Jesus. And um, so, Lord, we invite you in. Uh, we ask that your will would be accomplished in our lives, that you would speak to us, Lord, and that you would give us ears to hear and willingness, Lord, a desire to walk in obedience to you. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd bless this day, bless our time together as a church family for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we, we, we are still in our values, um, and I think probably for a couple of more weeks. And um, the, the, the value that I wanted to share today it's, it basically it says this, every believer is created for purpose. And every per person can discover and realize God's incredible plan for their life. And I, and I like this part, this little tag on it, everyone is a 10 somewhere. Don't you like that? Everyone is a 10 somewhere. You know, I remember in grade school, we would be playing kickball. And I wasn't necessarily good at kickball. But there's always this tension, like, you know, they line up and they'd have the two leaders, right? And it's like, okay, I pick him and I pick him, I pick her, you know? And I was always like the fourth or the fifth person to be picked, <laughs> you know, out of four or five people. So, um, you know, I, I'm so thankful because when God looks at us, he sees all of us as tens. Do you, do you believe that? There's no elitism in the body of Christ. God looks at us. And he sees us in Christ, and he sees us perfect, he sees us holy, he sees us complete. And he sees us as he has created us to be. You, you agree with that? 
Amen. And so um, this is, I, I, today is Family Sunday, and I guess they sent out a little survey. They emailed it to all the kids, and, uh, and the question was this, what do I do, what do I want to be when I grow up? And uh, this is some of the responses, um, and you could probably guess some of these, but some of the responses was, I want to be a dentist, or a teacher, or a veterinarian, or an actress, or a photographer, or a spy, um, a firefighter, a missionary, an architect. Um, somebody said, I want to be a paleontologist. That's awesome, right? Or I want to be a pastor. Um, I, I, I love the idea that our kids are growing up um, in a world that they can dream and have God's dreams for their lives. Wouldn't you agree? You know, and sometimes we, you know, we look at people and we say, well, they're just living in a fantasy. But God has placed dreams and visions in the heart of his people to accomplish great things, right? And who knows, who knows that among us there might be sitting a great missionary or maybe the next president. Well, it wouldn't be the next president, but uh, <laughs> 20 years down the road, the president of the United States or, or a congressman, somebody who God would place in a place of influence to make a difference for his kingdom, Right? And so you just, you just never know. And um, I wanted to look at several scriptures in Jeremiah 29, 11. And you're, you're familiar with these. And would, maybe some of you just kind of pray for me under your breath. And, and uh, I have a lot of scriptures. I want to I say what God wants to say. And I'm hoping to be able to tie some things together. Okay, so Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans that I have. Listen, receive this from the Lord. Would you do that? Receive it in the spirit from the Lord. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me. And I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all of your heart. And I, and I love because I think uh, for the most part, all of us are experiencing that promise today. The very fact that we can come and get before the living God and seek his face and that he hears us is an incredible act of grace. Wouldn't you say that? And it's an incredible gift that God has given to us. And so I wanted to open up with that and just acknowledge the fact that 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 God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. Um, Genesis 37.5, um, and, and as I was putting to, pulling together some, some scriptures in my heart, and, um, and Ired asked me about three or four weeks ago to, to speak on this topic, right? And so I had some scriptures already in my heart, my spirit, I felt like God was giving me. A lot of what I'm going to say today, Chase talked about last week, about being a part of a team as a church. So I'm going to, I'm going to refer to some of those scriptures, but I'm going to take it at a different slant, if, if you don't mind, a different perspective. Um, but Genesis 37.5 says this, Then Joseph had a dream. How many remembers the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Yeah, um, I... Well, my name is Joe, so um, I'm kind of fond of the guy. But I, it's, it's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And uh, if you go back and out of, I think it's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, uh, 13 of them are about Joseph and God's purpose and God's plan for his life and how God mightily worked in his life. But one of the things that I think about when we, when we look at the, um, Joseph, the character of Joseph, is how, um, right, in the, it's almost like in, in, in the middle of, I mean, Joseph is just living his life, and he, he and his brothers are living their lives, and God all of a sudden steps in to time and space by giving him a dream. And um, I don't know if you remember the dream, but it's actually two dreams, and Joseph had 11 brothers. And um, one of the dreams was, he said, I had a dream of 12, 11 bushels of wheat, and the 11 bushels of wheat bowed down to me, to the one bushel. 
And then, of course, his, it creates a little consternation uh, in, in the lives of his brothers. And then he has another dream. And he tells his dad, he says, I had a dream that the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed down to me. Right? And you're thinking, who is this guy? Right? And that's what his brothers were thinking. And that's what his dad was thinking. He's like, who is this guy? But the Bible says that Jacob held these words in his heart. Right? And he was looking at his son and he's realizing, you know, God is doing something. God is speaking something. But God began to work in the life of Joseph and in the life of a great nation that he, was, he would be raising up to do great and incredible and powerful things. And so he starts by giving Joseph this dream. And if, if you guys know the story uh, of Joseph, it wasn't long after Joseph shared uh, the, the, the dream with his brothers uh, and with his dad that the Bible talked about how his brothers hated him even more. And what they ended up doing, remember, they threw him into a pit and they were just going to leave him there. And then the Bible says that some slave traders were coming by and they decided, you know what, we shouldn't kill our brother. Uh, he's our own blood, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to sell him to the Ishmaelites and um, the slave traders, and they took him down into Egypt. But I, but I look at Joseph, and a couple of things I think of. I think of oftentimes how God places uh, dreams in our spirit. Anybody here that God has placed a dream in your spirit? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes they're not like these real vivid dreams. They're just inclinations, God works and God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. But God, God oftentimes just puts little partial shadows and, 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 and just fragments of the dream. And then as we begin to walk in obedience to him, he begins to fulfill that. Right? And so that's what was going on with Joseph. But look at the life of Joseph. Now, it would have been really easy for Joseph to think, gosh, you know what? God is going to do incredible things in my life. I don't know what he was thinking, but before he knew it, he found himself at the bottom of a pit. And guess what? His brothers threw him there. Now, there's a lot of dysfunction <laughs> in my family. Not necessarily Greta. She's, she's perfect. Um, but not my immediate family, of course, there's some dysfunction. But I look back in generations, and I, and I see my extended family. There's a lot of dysfunction. Joseph had a dysfunctional family, right? Wouldn't you agree? I mean, with, with family members like Joseph had who needs enemies, right? They threw him into the pit, and then they decided, what did they do? They sold him to slave traders, right? So initially... Joseph is experiencing this dream, but all of a sudden he finds himself, what? Betrayed and abandoned by his brothers. And so the Ishmaelites take Egypt, uh, take Joseph down there, uh, down to Egypt. And the Bible talks about how over and over again, um, probably three to four times, the Bible says and, and says this, that the Lord was with Joseph. And blessed him. And it almost seemed like everything that Joseph did, he prospered. Because God was with him. Because God had a purpose for what he was doing. And God had a purpose for his life. God had given him that dream. Right? And so do you remember? So not only was at, at this time was Joseph betrayed and abandoned by his brothers. Right? Remember the whole story with Potiphar's wife? We don't have to go into all of that. But Joseph was slandered. And falsely accused, and then he was thrown into prison. And Potiphar threw him in, in, in the prison, right? And so the Bible talks about how for like a period of two years, Joseph is in prison. All of a sudden, uh, it, it's kind of humorous, but you, you see the cupbearer and the cake maker. <laughs> they were thrown in. I'm, I'm almost thinking like this is like a little children's fantasy tale, you know? Um, but... Um, Two other people were thrown into prison. Joseph interpreted their dreams, right? And then um, the cupbearer was released, restored to his position. And all of a sudden, Joseph was forgotten. And the Bible says that the, 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 the cupbearer forgot Joseph, right? And then through the process of uh, um, um, Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph would interpret Pharaoh's dreams and God would raise him up. And all of a sudden, over a period of, uh, you know, 15 years or so, 
right? God placed Joseph in an incredible place of influence. Pretty much the right-hand man uh, for Pharaoh. And uh, you remember the dream, right, that Pharaoh had? Basically, there was going to be seven years of prosperity and abundance. And then after the seven years of abundance, there would be seven years of famine. And so Joseph gave Pharaoh that interpretation. And all of a sudden, God raised Joseph up uh, to pretty much be, like I said, Pharaoh's right-hand man. And so he was in a place of influence. What happened? His brothers came, they came down to Egypt because it was during the famine and Joseph was able to provide food for his family. And ultimately, uh, the, the, the Israelites would be birthed in Egypt, right? And God would begin to do great things and multiply them and, 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 and so forth. And so... Um, I, I, I thought about that because when, when we talk about the fact that each of us can experience God's best for our life, can I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to stumble through this, but I want to say this. I think oftentimes in the Western culture um, that we interpret things differently than people maybe in the third world country would interpret them. Um, I was one to Christ with a little gospel tract that talked about how God had a plan for my life. And it's easy for me in my mindset and the way I look at things to interpret like, well, God's plan for me is to, gosh, prosper, which could be, right? Maybe not. God's plan for me could be having the greatest job, you know, that anybody, you know, being on the Hawaii beaches, right? Beach evangelism, right? God's plan for me could be having a nice car. It could be having a nice family, a nice uh, uh, house, all of these things. That could be true. But oftentimes when I look at the world, and I've been walking with the Lord, I, I think probably for 30 years, and I still haven't gotten it figured out. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. All of us are, right? But I've learned that there are some things that can happen to us in life that can cause disillusionment. How many knows what I'm talking about? There are, there are tragedies that we experience in life through accidents, through divorce, through death, right? Through bankruptcy. That if we're not careful can cause great disillusionment in our lives and cause us to walk away from God and cause us to ask the questions, you know, God, I thought you had a plan for my life, but how could this be my, your plan? Has anybody ever been there? I, I've been there. Trust me. And I think, and I know some of you are there right now. And things happen in the real world, the real time that cause us to question God and his faithfulness. And I, and, I, I, and I got a feeling that there were times that Joseph, whether it was in the pit or whether it was in jail, that, that Joseph was talking to God saying, hold on a minute. I know you gave me this dream, but how in the world did I end up in prison? And so... Um, I think we need to be careful about interpreting Scripture, God's purpose and God's plan, through the eyes of prosperity. Okay? So, so I'm, I, I wanted to share that, but does God want to prosper us? I believe He does, but I think it's in different ways that we would, would normally look at it. Okay? But I want to say this, that Joseph's dream was God's dream. God knew what he was doing. God had a purpose, and God had a plan for Joseph's life, right? So what, what, what's, the, what's the value? Every believer is created with purpose. What is God's purpose? Let's start with the first thing. God's purpose is this, is that you can live in a relationship with God, right? Let me share a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to touch and go here so as to be careful not to take too much time, but we... If you've been around, you know these scriptures, but let me just remind you. Uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, that word life, 
is, is Zoe life, and it's the life of God. So God's purpose, it starts out, is that we would experience him in relationship and be able to walk with him in relationship and experience the very life of God. Isn't that amazing? Listen, that's the best news you and I have heard all day, right? That's the best news. Let me give you another scripture. Um, In John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. If, if you're here today and you have experienced the life of God, that's a confirmation that God has chosen you. How good can it get? Amen. Right? I mean, it, it can't get much better than that. It can't get much better than that. And I, and I look back and I've shared some of my testimony before. And uh, Mark and I were talking. I don't, I don't want to live in the past. But I look back when God divinely intervened in my life and what he did. And I, and I, and I can't think of anything other than miraculous and how God was so good to me. But you know the beautiful thing about it is all of a sudden God revealed himself to me. Right? And I knew, this is what I knew. I knew that he knew me. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't so much like, you know, God knows a group of people. Well, he knows the Adventure Church, but he's not like me and I forget names. If I come in and you introduce yourself, I'll probably forget your name in about 10 minutes or maybe three minutes. Can I just suggest to you that God doesn't forget names and he knows exactly who you are? Praise God for that. And so what is God's purpose? The first thing God's purpose is, is that we would live in relationship with him. Hallelujah. Yeah, God's God's purpose is that we can know him and and experience his life. And, And that's where it starts. That's where it starts. Experiencing God in relationship. And then, of course, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life, the Zoe life. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Okay? So I want to I kind of dovetail into 1 Peter now. 1 Peter chapter 4. Okay? When, guys, when, the, um, when you read the epistles of the early church, something I think is clearly stated and... Um, assumed, is that salvation was not about just getting saved and then just kind of living life the way you want to live it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I'm saved now. It's just kind of, oh, that's cool. So, you know, I'm, I, I'll keep God on the back burner. And if something happens and I need him, well, you know, he's there. That's, that's awesome. It, salvation wasn't looked at it like that. Salvation was something that was considered all or nothing. It was, it, was, it was considered to be, hey, God saved me, and because God has so graciously saved me by his power and by his grace and through his blood, I'm going to surrender my life to him and to his purpose, and to his purpose and for his glory. And so the, the, the message of salvation is not so much what God can do for me, because he's already done everything. But the message of salvation is what I can do for the kingdom. What do I need to do to align myself, align myself with God's purpose and God's plan so I might further his kingdom and his, his glory? And so listen to what um, Peter said. And, and by the way, when Peter's writing, he's writing in a context of suffering and persecution. Can I say that again? Suffering and persecution. We don't like to think of either one of those, do we? We don't like to suffer. Anybody like to suffer? You feel like suffering today? I don't think so. <laughs> it's like no suffering. Anybody want to be persecuted today? I don't think so. Right? But Peter's writing to believers that were being persecuted and were suffering. But listen, listen to this. 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, Since therefore Christ suffered. How did he suffer? He died on the cross for you and I. 
for your sins and for my sins. He, he, he was persecuted. He suffered the reproach of living for God's purposes and God's plan. It says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, sit back and relax because God's done it all. It doesn't say that. It says, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. With the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And so the idea is this. What is Peter telling us? Well, um, there's another scripture in Peter that talks about preparing your mind for action. The idea is this. Because of what Christ has done for us, we should have the same attitude. We should have the same perspective on our life and the purpose that he's called us to. Which is what? Surrender. Which is what? Laying down our life. Jesus said, if any man would follow me, let him do what? Pick up his cross and follow me. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus said, if any man will save his life, he will what? Lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And so this whole idea of being a Christian and a believer has everything to do with surrender of everything. All that, all, all that, all, everything that the flesh craves, we say no to. And, and, and look at this. It says that we should no longer live the rest of our time to the flesh and its passions, but what? For the will of God. So it's a determination, it's a conviction, it's a decision that, listen, God has done amazing things for me by dying on the cross. Therefore, my purpose, my purpose, my desire is to do his will and to follow him and whatsoever he calls me to do. Is that okay to say? Right? Listen, listen to this, Romans eight twenty seven, and I'll just touch on it. it. says this, And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Right? Because what? The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you? He is. I like that. Because, you know, quite frankly, there are some times that I don't want to do the will of God. Is that okay for me to say? (laughs) I live in the flesh just like you do. And there are times that I don't want to be obedient. And the flesh is screaming, like, you know, fulfill my lust and all of these things. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you and for me. Why? So we might fulfill the word of God and the will of God. That is way cool. And so look at the next scripture after that. And we know that God, that for all, I'm sorry, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Not that all things are good, but that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so... um, The first thing that we need to understand is God has called us to live in relationship with him. And through that relationship, it's not about what God can do for me or do for you. It's about, Lord, what have you called us to do for the kingdom? Right? And can I say that it's just one day at a time, one minute at a time, one baby step at a time. Sometimes it's just the the next step of obedience is what God is calling you to do. So the second thing, he says, uh, what is God's purpose? It is to live in community. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Uh, another translation says, keep loving one another fervently. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. Um, the, 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 the word there, earnestly or fervently, um, I, 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 I look at that, 
I'm not a Greek scholar, but I think there's a sense there. The idea is that we are as believers to look for opportunity to love people passionately. So he's called us to live in a relationship with him, right? Our vertical relationship. Now he calls us to live in community. Um, Chase talked about it last week. Um, that's not easy to do. How many knows that? It's, it's not easy to live in community. But when I read the scriptures... The scriptures are always given to us in the context of community as the church. I want to suggest to you that you can't and you won't experience God's best, God's life for you, unless you live it in community with one another. Is that that okay to say? Um, It's easier for me to stay away from people that I don't like. I, I love hanging out with people I do like, right? But it's those people that don't, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't like me, right? But as a church, we're called to live together in community. Do you, do you remember the, the time that um, Peter came to Jesus? And I imagine Peter kind of had his little scratch pad out. He says, he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And can you, I don't know, is Peter over there counting? <laughs> is he over there counting? It's like, I know, six, six times, right? And, and Lord, do I really have to forgive him one more time? And, and Jesus said, you know what, I'll tell you, Peter. He says, uh, not only should you forgive him, but you should forgive him seven times 70. So does that mean 490? I think it means whenever the need arises, you should forgive them. Wow. And so living in community is about loving one another passionately. Living in community is about looking for opportunity to forgive and to release people. And as much as I don't want to, you know, sometimes it feels good just to hold a grudge, right? but then I realize I'm the one living in bondage. Sometimes it feels good just to be angry at somebody, right? But then I realize I'm the one that's being hurt by it, and I'm the one that's in bondage to it. And I think forgiveness is the true mark of a believer. Forgiveness is the true mark of a community that is experiencing God's best for their life. Matthew 5 says this, Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies... Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be what? Sons of the Father which is in heaven. Love your enemies. Then he says this, he says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Basically the unbelievers. And so he calls us his believers who are living in community, not only to love one another, but to love our enemies. John 13, 34 says this. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you what? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, and you also are to love one another. By this, all people will what? Know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Going back to the, the, the story of Joseph, I think one of the, you know, I, I tear up a lot. I try not to let people see it. But when I read the story of Joseph, and I read when his brothers come back the second time. Do you remember? They came into Egypt, and they're saying, hey, we, we need some grain. We need some food. We need some help. It's a famine out there. And Joseph realizes it's his brothers. And he says, I want you to go back and get your younger brother, and I want you to bring your dad back. And then I'll give you food. And they go back and they get, they get Jacob and they get Reuben. They come back. I think one of the most amazing scenes are when they come back and Joseph recognizes who they are and his dad is there. And all of a sudden he reveals who, who, who he is. And he forgives them. 
You know, the brothers, the brothers are saying, gosh, he is going to kill us, man. The last time we saw him, we sold him to the slave traders. And Joseph says, you know what? What you meant for evil, God has meant for good. And one of the greatest scenes in Scripture is when the Bible talks about how they embrace one another and they wept. Listen to a couple of Scriptures. You know, there's a lot of one another Scriptures. There are a lot of Scriptures that refer to one another, how we should treat one another, right? Um, Mark nine fifteen, be at peace with one another. Romans 12 Love one another with brotherly affection. Listen to this. Outdo one another in showing honor. 2 Corinthians 13 says, Finally rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Galatians 5 Do not use your freedom as the opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Don't you love those scriptures? They're hard because they require something of us. But my, my conviction and my belief is that is once we make a decision to walk in obedience to God, guess what? The grace of God will meet us there. And when I look at scripture... One of the greatest, listen you guys, one of the greatest testimonies of the grace of God is when people can actually get along with one another and they actually forgive one another and they live in community. One of the greatest testimonies of the grace of God, listen, is when something takes place in your life or my life that wasn't expected. And rather than getting angry at God and angry at people, we choose to forgive. We choose to restore. We choose to live in peace. That's something that's contrary to the world. That's something that when an unbeliever looks at, will ask the question, gosh, something is different about you. How do you do that? I, um, I, I work in hospice, and uh, I'm, the, I'm the bereavement coordinator. And so basically we have to get a, a file together for all of the families. You know, if there's somebody on hospice, we get a file together. And part of my job is to follow up with families after their loved one passes away and, and dies. Um, there's a lot of people that die alone. It's not that they don't have family. But somewhere, somehow, that family has allowed itself to fall apart. Listen, there's always going to be offenses. There's always going to be somebody who says something or does something that is going to hurt deeply. True grace, true love that can only be exhibited through God's power, right? Can only be given through God's power and, and grace. It only happens. And um, there, was, uh, there was, it was a season ago that somebody had said and done some things at our church, and I, I had a lot of anger. And I remember saying to God, I don't think I can forgive And I remember the day as I was praying and just spending time with the Lord that God just began to give me this love for this person. I was amazed by it, this passion. And so when we love and when we forgive and when we restore, it only comes through the grace of God. But that's what living in community is all about. Is that okay? And, and um, I don't know, maybe God is speaking to you today. Maybe, maybe there's an area that you need to forgive somebody. Maybe there's somebody you need to be restored with.
So God's purpose is to live in a relationship with him. It's to live in community in the church. The Bible says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Right? It's important that we come together and strengthen and edify. The third thing is that we live in service to one another. And so, excuse me, we talked about gifts last week, and I'm just going to touch and go on that. But, it, but, our, but our, um, our value is that each person can experience God's best for their lives. And so when we talk about living in service, look at verses 10 and 11. Peter says, as each one has received a gift, use it. Now, I put a period there because I wanted to stop there. As each one has received a gift, use it. What is Peter saying? You and I, each one of us, have a gift from God. Right? Some may be in the process of figuring out. It's like, I don't know where my gifts are. And that's okay. Some of you have already identified those gifts and you're growing and you're growing your life and you're developing those gifts in a, in, in a, in a, in a way that continues to uh, bring greater influence and effectiveness for the kingdom of God. But Peter says, as each one has received a gift, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to use it. Use it. And then he goes on, what are we supposed to do with it? Well, we're supposed to use it to serve one another. Now, the idea of serving means to wait on tables. So it kind of gives you a perspective on what Peter is saying. So each of us has received a gift. We are to use it to do what? Serve one another. To wait on one another. How are we supposed to do it? As good stewards of God's varied grace. And the idea of stewardship is the fact that God has gifted us with those gifts. So do you, do you get that? Is the body of Christ? See, if God was through with us, we'd all be in heaven, right? And we'd be enjoying the God's presence and worshiping, but we're still here. And we're still a part of the church. And so I don't know, I know some of you, I don't know how involved in the church you are, but I want you to know that part of God's purpose and plan for you is that as he gives you gifts... You're to begin to walk on those gifts and experience his purpose and his plan. And, and I, you know what? I look around, look around the room, right? Look at all the different people. It, no, there's no two people alike, right? There's no two people alike. Um, either you physically are, look differently um, or your personality is different. Your history is different. Um, your, your relationships are different, right? That's, that's a representation of God's grace. It really, really is. It's amazing. And, and Peter talks about how we are to steward those gifts that God has given to us. How are we, do, how are we going to do it? Through God's manifold grace. Varied, um, uh, another translation I think uses multicolored. So maybe it gives you a better idea of uh, what that looks like. But the idea is that each of us have a, has a gift. And we're to develop those gifts. And we're to serve the body of Christ. And not only that, I think we're supposed to serve our community and the world that God has placed us in. And what happens when we do that? People see the grace of God in our lives. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And just as there are differences here today, there are different gifts. And, and Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12. Let me give you one more scripture as it relates to giftings. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to what? The measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one in body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So as it relates to the body of Christ, there's uniformity, right? Throughout the state of Utah, throughout the city of Salt Lake, throughout the world. 
There's a sense of unity or uniformity as the body of Christ. There are a lot of similarities, right? But also, there's many members, and so there are diversity. And I, and I love, I love, I love to see people walk in their gifts. And there are some that are among us today, you have incredible giftings that you need to be using for the kingdom of God and for his purpose. Some of you are working on identifying those gifts. And we do that through boot camp and we do that through um, uh, the blueprint course. But it's important for you to identify those gifts so that you can begin to develop and exercise them. Why? So that people will see the manifold grace of God. And ultimately, God will be glorified. Isn't that good news? So the last part, what's God's purpose? And I think this is the best part, is to live in his glory. To live in his glory. Let me, let me give you a scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2.14. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the amazing thing is this, you guys. God not only has given his best in sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, and that's what he did. God not only graciously has, has intervened in our life and revealed to us the, the amazing gospel, right, and saved us. God not only has he empowered us and gifted us to serve in the body of Christ and to, to serve our community in the world, but one day, listen, God's dream for you, God's dream for me, is that we'll be with him in glory. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Amen. God's, God's dream is that one day we're going to be with him in glory. And we're going to be in his presence. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, listen, it says this. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and he despised the shame. How do we get through this life of disappointment and tragedy and death and, and, and divorce and, and hurt and pain? How do we get through it? I think we have to keep our eyes upon Jesus. I think we need to keep our eyes upon the fact that, you know what, we're just pilgrims passing through. Right? This is, this is not the end of the story here, right? God has a purpose and a place and a destiny for his church and ultimately is to be in his glory, right? Because the church is a victorious church that through his, the blood of Jesus Christ, God has called to himself, Ecclesia, he has called to himself a church out of darkness, a church that is holy without spot, that is blameless, that is pure, that is perfect. And one day he's, we're all going to meet with him in glory. And you know what? It's not going to get any better than that. Right? There's, a, there's another scripture, and I'm going to close. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And how many has ever tasted? The idea is to experience just a touch of God's glory, right? Um. We do it every day. We did it as we were worshiping here today. It's just like, you know what, Lord? God, you're so amazing. I don't even want to stop worshiping. Right? You ever felt like that? Or you're down in prayer. It's like, Lord, I don't want to get up. And one day, we're just going to be eternally in the presence of the living God and experiencing his glory. Isn't that good news? And, and I, I, I hope... My hope, my hope and my prayer is this. What's, what are some of the takeaways? And I think it are this. God has a dream for you, and he has a dream for me. Right? Walk in relationship with him. Live in community in the church. Right? Exercise our gifts. But ultimately, it's to be in his glory. But while we're here on earth, there are some things that we're going to have to diff, deal with. And that's why Peter said, arm yourself with the like mind of Christ. Suffering is a part of the, the process, you guys. It just is. But God has promised us to give us the grace and the strength that we need to walk through it. Right? So how many wants to experience God's dream for their life? Amen. 
Amen. If you're here today and you've never took the first step in surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, today's that day. Just to say yes to him and yes to his purpose and plan. Would you, would you do that? Would you guys bow your head with me? Everybody bow their heads. And I want to ask you, if you're here today, you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You want to do it today. Would you raise your hand and just look at me and, and, and look at me, anybody? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And God sees your hand as well. Let's, let's um, thank you. Let's have a word of prayer. And this is what I want for those that raised your hand. God wants to come into your life and do amazing things through his power and through his presence and through his grace. And I want you to be open and surrender to him. So let's, let's say a word of prayer together. Can we do that? Dear Lord, thank you that you have a plan for our lives. My life. I surrender all to you today. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and be Lord and Savior. I surrender all to you. God, we thank you for your amazing grace today and your word, Lord, that challenges us. Lord, I just want to pray over the church, Lord. I just want to ask you, God, where there's unforgiveness, let there be forgiveness. Where there's anger, Lord, I pray for healing. Lord, where there's division, I pray for restoration. And God, that you would give us the grace that we need today to be the church to live in community, to live in relationship. And Lord, give us grace, Lord, that we would step out and be take, take the, the initial steps of identifying and developing our gifts for your kingdom and for your glory. And Lord, we look forward to being with you for eternity. We thank you, Lord, that we can taste that reality as we speak. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you guys worship with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, we glorify you today, Lord. We bless you, Lord. You are the Lord Almighty, eternal God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. We worship you today, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. God bless you. Have a good weekend.